Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. What we're talking about tonight is this idea of wisdom on choices. Wisdom on choices. And Proverbs is all about passing principles down to kids so that they can make wise choices. Wisdom is not the ability to have knowledge. And I I think you probably understand that right now, more than at any other time in history, we have access to all the knowledge all the time. We can Google information on anything. Wisdom is not about having knowledge. Wisdom is about knowing what to do with that knowledge. And so when the book of Proverbs was written, it was written to help guide people, give them rules of thumbs, give them boundaries and principles that would enable them to make good choices. And uh, we're all after this superpower, right, of making good choices. If you could make the the, the best choice every time, You'd be sitting pretty pretty. And uh, I've often said it this way. If you could pick any superpower in the world, what superpower would you pick? Invisibility. Right? Right? Super strength. I want to fly. Let me submit to you tonight that the ability to make the right choice every time is the best superpower that you can have. And if you have a relationship with God, you have that ability. You have that ability. And so we're going to kind of crack open this conversation tonight, and I hope that you guys will dive in with me. You're encouraged to follow along online uh, as we go through this conversation this evening uh, with us. Now, my father passed along to me some wisdom, and it was something that he drilled into all of us as kids and to everybody that he taught at his church. And it's a little saying that I want to just kind of kick us off with tonight as we're diving into wisdom on choices. The first part of the saying is simply this, life is choices. Can you say that with me tonight? Life is choices. Can you say it a little bit better? Life is choices. Now, this is true. You are making choices all the time. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you are making choices. Do I hit the snooze or not? Do I open my eyes? Do I roll over? Do I grab my pillow? Do I put my feet on the ground? Do I go barefoot into the bathroom? Is today a shower day or a non-shower day? You are constantly making choices from the moment you wake up till you go to bed. So it's not a far-fetched idea to say to you, life is choices. So to have the ability to make the right choice every time means you would have the ability to drastically improve your life. Life is choices. Now, here's the next part of that sentence. Choices have consequences. Why don't we say that together? Choices have consequences. Now, let's put them both together. Life is choices, and choices have consequences. One of those great well-known rules is the if-then statement. If this happens, then this will happen. And choices are the living embodiment of that. Whenever you make a choice, it has a consequence, whether intended or unintended, no choice goes without some sort of consequence. If I decide to roll over in bed instead of getting out of bed, if I decide to hit the snooze button or to turn off my alarm and I oversleep, my consequence may be that I am then late for work where my boss has said, this is the very last time and you are now fired. 
Every time you make a choice, you have consequences. Now, consequences aren't all bad. If I decide to choose to work out and eat the right kinds of food, then I can have the consequence of being lighter than I was before. Life is choices, and choices have consequences. The way we wrap up this phrase is simply this, make the right choices. Let's say that together. Make the right choices. When you make the right choices, you have the right consequences, and you drastically change your life. So one more time, put the whole sentence together. Life is choices. Choices have consequences. Make the right choices. Thank you, Dad. Thank you very much for that wisdom. This sentence has been shared many, many times and often at times where I don't want to hear it, right? Because I, what have I always said? Life is choices. And you're like, come on, I know. But if we could only get this right, right? If we could only do this in the way that, that uh, would change things, man, this does make a big, big difference. So the dad that wrote Proverbs has a name, and his name is Solomon. Solomon is the author of most of the Proverbs that we have. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, you can turn there if you want, but I'm just going to paraphrase what's in this section of Scripture. Solomon starts having a conversation with his kids, and he wants them to know things. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks, one of the topics we're going to study is the topic of parents. Because there is so much in Proverbs about how parents should talk and train their children and how children should respond. So parenting is a big topic. We're going to cover that in a few weeks. Make sure that you don't miss it. We'll, we'll let you know when it's happening. But Solomon was the son of another king, David. And David was a good king and he was, he was a king that was used to build his nation and the nation got stronger. And he was a king that for the most part pleased God. David was said to be someone who was after God's own heart. When David passed along from the scene, Solomon uh, became the king. And Solomon was just a young king when God appeared to him in a dream. And Solomon had all the pressures of taking on anything that was growing, let alone a nation. And God comes to him and basically asks in 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, if you could have anything, what could it be? Very similar to the question that I asked Will. So all of a sudden, Solomon's thinking the same things that Will's thinking. I could have a new Nerf gun. I could get an iPad. I think there's some pop rocks that I would like to have. And if God would come to you in this very moment in time and said, I could give you anything, what would it be that you would choose? And probably we're a little bit more mature in our taste. We would probably ask for our kids to benefit somehow or for the cure for some disease uh, for, or a nicer car, or a better job, or more of an income. But, but do you realize how short-sighted even those requests would be if God himself came down and said, if you could have anything, what would it be? In the conversation that Solomon has with God in that moment in time, Solomon starts to consider the weight of the responsibility on his shoulders. And Solomon begins to to wrestle with this question, and he starts saying to God, God, you have made me king. I am following in the footsteps of my father. There are decisions that have to be made. There's a nation that has to be cared for. I am responsible for these people's safety and well-being and their spiritual lives. God, I am overwhelmed by this responsibility. Would you just give me the ability to make right choices? Solomon could have asked for Riches beyond compare. Solomon could have asked for might and power to overtake his enemies. Solomon could have asked for personal gain. But Solomon asked for wisdom. And God looked at Solomon and he said to him in this moment in time, because you have asked for wisdom, I am pleased. 
God is pleased when we ask him for wisdom. God is honored when we ask him for wisdom. The God of the universe, who could give anything in any moment, loves to give wisdom. Yet so many times we make the choices that we think are best and we think are right. And in our ignorance, we are so happy with those choices, but we've missed out on such a bigger opportunity because we just didn't ask God for wisdom. God poured out then blessings on Solomon. Not only did he give him wisdom, he gave him riches, he gave him might, he gave him fame. And Solomon became the greatest king to ever rule God's people. And he was responsible for for some of the greatest feats that ever happened. And Kings goes on to tell stories of how Solomon used his wisdom and in judgments and in leading the nation. And we talk a lot about, if you're an Old Testament scholar, the temple. And Solomon is responsible for this grand building, the like of which will never be seen again until Jesus returns. Solomon then takes all of his wisdom, and by the will and grace of God, he writes for us the book of Proverbs. This is who is giving us the instructions that we'll be reading tonight and the rest of the summer. This is what you will hear if you sign up for the 31-day Proverbs challenge online. You will hear the wisdom that God has given Solomon. And so we push forward, and tonight we want to quickly look at, with the time that we have remaining, four wise steps for making the best choices. You know, I wish a lot of times our choices were black and white, right and wrong, like it was just clear as day what we were supposed to do. But that is not how choices work, amen? Most of the time we're making choices where there's some middle ground or there's, some, there's something that's just not clear And we're trying to discern between the choices that we are making and use all of our human powers to make not just a good choice, not just a better choice, but to make the best choice possible. As a matter of fact, some of us who are indecisive in this world have what people have coined FOMO. Do you know what that means, FOMO? I'm dyslexic, so I might be saying it wrong. The fear of missing out. And so because you fear missing out or because you fear making the wrong choice, you don't, you don't move forward at all. And, and we're always constantly making these judgment calls. And, and the, the, the hashtag on wisdom gives you the ability not just to make a good choice, not just to make the better choice, but to make the best choice. And so tonight we're looking at four steps in the decision-making process that will lead you to the best choice. And as we move forward with these, you can take notes again online or you can write them down uh, in your bulletins. But we're going to travel through this pretty quickly. And with each of these sections, I'm going to give you a few kind of questions that you can use to bounce off uh, some of these thoughts together and then some examples to go with it. So step number one, best choices take God at his word. Best choices take God at his word. I've told you this story and it's something that Uh, hold some deep meaning for me. So whenever this proverb comes up, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I constantly think about my grandmother who passed away from Alzheimer's. But before she got sick, she gave me a Bible, and in her Bible she wrote out Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And the meaning for that has just taken things farther in my life. The ability to trust God was made so real to me at a young age that this verse for me came alive. Has this verse yet for you come alive? 
Let's just read this together. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It's interesting that this proverb isn't a suggestion with a result that might happen. This proverb is a command that if you do it, the result is guaranteed. When you trust in the Lord, and when you don't lean on your own understanding, your paths are made straight. That's, that's kind of crazy talk from crazy town. And if this is true, why don't we just do that all the time? Why don't we just take God at his word? The best choices always take God at his word. God is up there saying to you and I, listen, child, believe me. Believe me. You know, if, if I was going to then try to logic with my son, and I would say to him, son, you chose a Nerf gun, which is the least valuable of the three options that have been laid out on the table. The value of that Nerf gun is roughly $40, while the iPad is worth $400. And the blank check is worth everything in my bank account, which is just over $400. Let's talk about which one you should choose as you financially plan the rest of your future. And let's talk about how you could be taking this money that you would have from a check and you could buy multiple Nerf guns and multiple iPads as well as save for your future and invest in your college education. He'd probably still go, no, I'll take the Nerf gun. And then I'll say, listen, son, I just need you to believe me. I just need you to believe me. And how many of you guys have said this or heard this phrase? All right, I'll take your word for it. That's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is. It's us just saying to God, I may not get it, I may not logically understand it, I may not like it, but I'm just going to take your word for it. I know, God, that you have the power to heal me or to heal my loved one, but you are not healing me and you are, or you are not healing my loved one, and yet you say all things work together for good. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it, but I'm going to take your word for it. That's the beginning of making the best choices. When even in the moment that you don't understand, you submit to the leading of God, even when that leading is going in directions you disagree with. And I put myself at the mercy of God, following the instructions of God, I am just simply then taking God at his word. So as we start to make choices and we start to think about how do we actually do this, look at Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So Bible, please tell me who I'm supposed to marry and what college I'm supposed to go to. You can look all the way through Habakkuk and Ecclesiastes and you can look in Jonah and you can look in Obadiah and you can look in Acts and you're not going to find go to Harvard or Lancaster Bible or Yale. It's not in there. So how is this possible for Lord give me wisdom? You're not going to find the name of the person you're supposed to marry. And so so many people find it frustrating when they read the Bible and they're looking for like specific instructions to follow and the choice that they have is not talked about. Every, all the wisdom you need from God has been spoken in his word. And let me explain. God's word provides the principles that tell us which choices are inbounds and which choices 
are out of bounds. So many times we feel like God has to say to us a specific name or a specific place, and when we don't hear that name or place, we think we aren't in God's will. And then we think we can mess up God's will by messing up that choice. And if the girl I'm supposed to marry is at that college and I make the wrong choice to go to the wrong college, then I'm never going to meet the girl I'm supposed to marry. And now the rest of my life is going to fall apart. And, the, and from our perspective, that's a terrible way to look at it. Of course God knows what school you're going to and who you're going to marry and what's going to happen. And he's got all things ordained and worked out. And we're not supposed to try to understand it because we can't lean on that anyway. But when we take God at his word, God just says, here's the principles and here's the boundaries. Everything that's on outside of the principle, you're not supposed to do. So there are some things that are not options for you in the choices that you make. But everything that's inside the boundaries is okay. Go for it. You decide. So if you're a college student, you're like, I don't know what I want to do with the rest of my life. I, 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 wanna, I could be in the military. I could be in the ministry. Both of those are in the bounds of God's will. You get to choose. And that's super exciting. And, and you can't choose wrong because they're within the boundaries. So you're free to choose. And how do I make this choice? God, I'm, I, I think I want to do the military. I think I want to do ministry. I, I'm not sure where to go. Please give me wisdom. And then God, God guides you to the choice that you have. But ultimately, you get the opportunity to choose. And isn't that an awesome blessing about having a free will? God didn't create puppets. God didn't create robots. God created people. And people get to choose. And God has designed it in a way that allows us to make wrong choices, yet God still works it out. So take God at his word. Here's a couple of questions that you can ask yourself that will help you as you take God at his word. So if you have a decision to make and you're wrestling with how to make that decision in the best way possible, first question is what does God's word say? What does God's word say? What principles apply to my particular situation? I heard the story from a teacher that a, a young student of, of this college teacher came up and he said the same thing we just said about God's word having all the answers. And she said, I don't think that's true. I was at a party the other night and I didn't think there was going to be alcohol there, but there was alcohol there. And then I was stuck at that party and I didn't quite know what to do and I didn't quite know how to handle myself. And I don't think the Bible has anything to say about that. He quickly opened the Bible to her and began reading. Within 15 minutes, he had over 20 verses that applied directly to that situation about what to do and where to be and what to avoid and what decisions to make. And the principles that are in God's word can guide us. So what does, the Bible, what does God's word say? And if you don't know, then go to the second question. Who can help me understand what God's word says? And then take God at his word. So many mistakes are made when we choose outside of the bounds that God has drawn for us. The second step to making the best choice is best, the best choices take time. The best choices take time. Now right away you're going to be arguing in your spirit with me. And you're going to say something like, number one, I don't always have the time to take the time to make choices. Sometimes I have to decide right now. I'm in a high-pressure job and in a high-pressure situation. And so, Pastor Josh, I don't think this is true. The second thing you're going to say is, what about love? So I just want, if you're with somebody you love right now, I just want you to take this moment and put your arm around them. Or hold their hand. And you don't have to whisper in their ear at this moment, but you can just tell them with your eyes and communicate in this moment how much you love them. And this is going to be a special moment because I'm going to sing to you. And I've already lost my voice because this is like the ninth time I've preached this week. And I'm going to say to you, 
I'm going to sing to you this song. Wise men say only fools rush in, but I can't help falling in love with you. Hold them a little tighter. So the line is pretty good at first. Wise men say only fools rush in. But you know where the mistake comes in? But. But. I have to do this because, and there's this deadline here, or I really, really like it, and I think it has to happen right now in this moment. God says, Solomon says, over and over and over again in Proverbs, take the appropriate amount of time. We make mistakes when we rush. Will did not investigate his options very well. He rushed into a snap decision, and we all know how that turned out. Proverbs 19.2, desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. So when you rush and you don't have all the facts and you just fly past the thing that was supposed to be the direction you were supposed to go. Proverbs 13.6, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't. I'm in the moment, I'm in the here and now, it looks good. Uh, who, who, who says that anything's going to go bad if I eat a triple-decker cheeseburger with extra sauce on it? I mean, that just has to be it. Oh, it's four times more expensive than to the regular one? Nah, I don't care. I want it and I want it now. 20, Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. This principle is particularly true or particularly well seen when you start talking about finances. The when and the where and the how that we spend our money. If we would just take this one principle into practice, we would be way better off financially than we think we are now. Think about what happened in the life of the prodigal son. Here's a kid who had a well-to-do dad, right? And he goes up to his dad and says, give me all my money. And dad says, okay. I think there's some wisdom principles there we could talk to him about. And then that son goes off to live his life. Let me tell you what the prodigal son did not do. He did not budget. He did not consult a financial planner. He did not map out his future. He did not weigh the amount of income he had versus the amount of expenses he had. He did not go through all of those things. He just went into life and said, house, I'll take it. Food, I'll eat it. Friends, I'll buy you stuff. And just started paying it out with every feeling and emotion that came in him. I need that thing. I want that toy. I want to go to that place. I want that vacation. Give me this, give me that, give me this. I'm going to buy happiness. I'm going to buy relationships. And sooner than later, he found himself in a world of hurt. All the money was gone, and now he's eating with the pigs. And he says, maybe I can go back and just serve my dad, who apparently was real good with money. When we sit down in pre-marriage counseling sessions, one of my sessions is always about finances. And we get to talk about what it means to financially plan ahead. And to think about what you are doing and to plan for it and have conversations with it. Listen, the principle is simply this. The plans of the diligent lead to abundance. So diligently take care of your finances. There's so much work and there's so many numbers. Do you want abundance or not? <laughs> but everyone who is hasty comes to poverty. The questions you can ask on this step are simply this. Questions to ask, have I taken time to pray first? Have I taken time to pray first? Man, if you're in a pressure situation and a decision is being demanded of you in the moment, 
and you don't have time. And those situations will arise. You always, listen to me, always have time to pray. Always. And remember who loves being asked for wisdom? God. So have you taken the time to pray first? Here at Branch Life, we believe in prayer first. And prayer matters to us. And prayer is what guides us, and prayer is what directs us, and prayer is the secret behind any good sauce that we have. So pray first. In every decision, in every situation, pray first. Always, always take the time to pray. Lord, should I hit that snooze button, or should I roll back over? Guarantee it'll help. I am being pressured. Am I being pressured into making a quick decision? And sometimes just because you're being pressured doesn't mean you have to make the decision. And know that it is always true. The pressure can be from an authority figure or the pressure can be emotional. You can be feeling some emotional pressure that would lead you into a hasty decision that would ultimately be the wrong decision. Please don't, please don't feel that pressure. So many young people make the mistake of getting involved into a physical, intimate relationship before they're married because of emotional pressure. And they jump into a relationship that they should have waited on. They jump into an activity that they should have waited on because of emotional pressure. So am I being pressured? And if you're being pressured, take caution, take time. And have I gathered all of the information? There's so many proverbs about counting and gathering and understanding before a decision is made. Please, please, please make sure you do that so you can make the best choice. Step number three. Take counsel to heart. The best decisions take counsel to heart. I call this principle the American Idol Paradox. The American Idol Paradox gives us a great illustration of what happens when this principle goes well versus what happens when I ignore this principle. So if I come out on the American Idol stage and I start singing, wise men say, right? All of the judges are now going to give me immediate counsel on how I did in that tryout. The reason we like to watch the show is because there are people that sing terribly. And all four of the judges are going to say, this is not to be your job. This is not to be your vocation. This is not even supposed to be your hobby. And that person goes, I don't care what you say. I am a great singer. And I am going to make a living at this. And they keep plodding along. And Simon's wagging his head trying to say, I'm just trying to help you, man. This is the principle. The best choices take counsel to heart. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Like solitary eyes. He's the only one that thinks that way. But he thinks he's right. But he who heeds counsel is Wise, in other words, gains the ability to make the right choice with the knowledge they have. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to counsel and receive instruction. Man, two really amazing action words. Listen and receive instruction. Take it in. Embrace it. That you may be wise in your latter days. Proverbs 13.10. Pride leads to conflict. Oh man, oh man. Raise your hand and say Amen. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Most of the time when you are in a conflict, it is because you believe you are right and the other person is wrong. And you're unwilling to listen and embrace anybody else's opinion about it. So much of the conflict that we have in this world is the inability to take counsel to heart. 
if we would just humble ourselves, if we would just allow ourselves to realize the truth that we are not always right and we do not always have the right information, we would save ourselves so much grief and so much conflict. Two more Proverbs of this step. Proverbs 13, Proverbs 11, 14. For the lack of guidance, nations fall. But victory is won through many advisors. I think of one nation in the Bible who gives us an illustration of this point. And it's the nation of Nineveh. Nineveh was a horrible place. It was doing horrible things. It was attacking people, killing people. And Nineveh was living high on the hog because of the destruction they were causing around their region. And so God sends to them a counselor. And the counselor's name is Jonah. And he came fresh out of the, the belly of a whale. And Jonah flops up onto the shore and he starts walking through town and he starts giving them counsel. Repent or your destruction is near. Repent, you're making God mad. God's going uh, God's to wipe you out if you don't say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. And Nineveh decided to take counsel to heart. And they fell on their knees and they repented. And they knew they were doing something they shouldn't do. And they heard the counsel that they shouldn't be doing it. And they fell on their face and they said, God, we are sorry. Please have mercy on us. But why in the world would any nation decide just to listen to that one counselor? Right? If not, for heeding this biblical principle. How many times do we ignore the counsel of other people, particularly when we're doing something wrong? And we get defensive, and we get upset, and we get mad, and the counselor comes to us, the friend, the parent, the authority figure, the partner, and they say to us, you are wrong, this is wrong, you need to confess, you need to ask forgiveness, and you get mad at them and get more ingrained in the habit and activity that you're doing instead of saying, you're right, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Here's some questions to ask yourself in step number three. Who can I talk to about this choice? Who's been there? Who's done that? Who's traveled this road? Who's fought this disease? Who's walked with somebody through this tragedy? Who's older and wiser than I am? Who do I know that takes God at his word and takes time with choices that could give me help? Then who else can I talk to about this choice? Remember, Proverbs says, a multitude of counselors. So you gather multitudes of people around you who can speak into you. You recruit a community to give you advice. Not just your favorite friend who always agrees with everything that you say. So when you're trying to figure out, hey, what do I do? Who do I talk to? Man, seriously consider this. And here's what you need to learn in this moment. Learn to listen to others who listen to God. Learn to listen to others who listen to God. And if you find people who listen to God, then learn to listen to them. And what is the collective counsel of my community? If I'm really the only one, maybe I've even got one or two cheerleaders that are saying this is all good, but everybody else is saying, hold on. Or everybody else is saying, don't do it. I remember Jenny and I, we were talking about planning a church. And we, we, we were really looking for God's leading in this. We began this process of just asking the people who knew us, who knew church planting, who knew the, the journey that was ahead of us. 
and they could speak truth into us. And if it wasn't for the collective counsel of that community saying, we believe this is right for you in this time and in this way, Branch Life Church would not exist today. Because it's not something we would have decided to do on our own. But the best choices take counsel to heart. And lastly, step number four, consider kingdom impact. The best choices consider kingdom impact. I just want to kind of leave you with this thought tonight because as we're looking at the choices discussion, we can very quickly fall into the trap of becoming very self-absorbed with this. It's all about me. It's all about my choices. It's all about me doing what I'm supposed to do. And I want us to pause and just remind ourselves for a second that you are just a small part of the equation when it comes to choices. There is a whole nother world around you that are affected by the choices that you make. So this fourth step is crucial because it's the step where you consider others. What are the consequences of my choice going to be for the people around me? And Proverbs says quite a, quite a bit about this thought, but this verse is particularly potent. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise. At Branch Life Church, we say it like this. Our goal as a branch is to strengthen our connection to Christ so that we can reach our world. And the stronger our connection to Christ, the further our reach and the more fruit we're going to bear so we can be a blessing to other people. Other people can enjoy our fruit. Other people can be sheltered by us. And we want to be a church that loves its neighbors as itself and loves the Lord our God with all our heart. And if you follow the wisdom that God has for you and you live a righteous life, you will be like that tree of life to other people. Your existence and your choices and the things that you do and the things that you say will be a blessing to the community that you're in, to the family that you are a part of, to the business that you are uh, uh, working for or in or running, to the community, to the church. When you make these kinds of choices, your presence is a blessing. And if you're sitting in here today going, I have conflict with my family, I have conflict at work, I just don't really enjoy being at my neighbors, in my neighborhood, then maybe the problem is not them. Maybe the problem is in your decision-making process. So as we consider others, think about these questions. Am I representing Jesus well? Am I representing Jesus well? Just, I'm not picking on this one issue, but it's just easy for all of us because we decided tonight to attend church. We said we're going to go to that gathering at 5 p.m. And sometimes it's going to be easy or hard to make that decision. And let's just kind of use it as a little bit of a case study. You know, if you're at home and you're, you're just lost track of time or the game's on or, or you just didn't schedule things right. And as a parent or, or as a leader of the home, you say, you know what, tonight we're just going to bag it. We're not going to go to church. That may not feel like a big deal to you because it's, it's just we just didn't quite make it. We didn't get organized enough to get there. And. And I'm fine. I did my devotions this week. And that's probably true. But what kind of impact does that have on other people? I just think about the message that sends to the family members around you that you just gave the night off to. Think about the message that sends them. Hey, there's going to be times where if you don't feel like it, you don't have to do it. 
There may be times where, you know, this is a good thing and this is a thing that God called us to do, but we just didn't set ourselves up well for it, so we're not going to, we're not going to work it out this time. And for you, it might not be a big deal, but for them, it's a message that they received and then multiplies when they become adults. And, and it's just one time, and I, I, again, I'm not trying to make a bigger deal out of something that's not a big deal, but just think about this choices wide across all the kinds of choices that we make. Let me pick on the other way. Maybe you're, you got involved in something on a Sunday afternoon that wasn't expected, and there's a ministry opportunity that came up. There's someone that you've been praying for, a family member that you've invested in, and they've asked you to spend time with them. They've asked for your help with something, and you are full-fledged helping them, and the conversation's getting rolling, and you're blessing them, and you look at your watch, and you go, oh, no, I got church coming up. I'm sorry, I got to leave you and go over to this church. Listen to me. Consider kingdom impact. And in both cases, we may be making a good choice, but it's not the best choice. And sometimes we make good choices at the cost of the best choice that would have served the kingdom better. And God is the one that can help you discern in these moments and times where I'm supposed to be. So if you find yourself at home and it just wasn't working out that night to get to church, take God at his word, take time to make the decision, listen to the counsel of others, honey, what you think we should do, and consider kingdom impact and then decide. You find yourself in ministry and the temptation is to run off because of Stop, take God of his word, go and make disciples, he says. Take the time that you need, pray about it, get the counsel that you can, and consider and compact and go there. Now, lastly, is there a better option that allows me to make a greater impact for God's kingdom? Is there a better option that allows me to make a bigger impact for God's kingdom? There are so many things that we do that are good to us and for us, but they didn't advance the kingdom. And ultimately the question is, whose kingdom are we building? <laughs> are we building our kingdom or are we building God's kingdom? And when we pray, the, the God's, God has said, pray to our heavenly Father and say to him, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And there's so many times that we could be choosing something better that would advance the kingdom instead of choosing something that would advance ourselves. And so use this as a metric. Imagine if Paul decided not to plant churches. Imagine if he just became someone who wanted to just totally reinvent the tent-making business. And he poured all his efforts into building a tent-making business that would just change the world for that generation. But Paul decided to do something that had a greater, greater kingdom impact. And he planted churches. And he planted churches that began a movement that exists to this day. Imagine if Moses didn't challenge Pharaoh. Imagine if Moses just said, you know what, I'm out. I'm going to just live in Sheepville. I have a beautiful wife. If I go back there, I might die. But Moses went back. And Moses challenged Pharaoh because, and made a kingdom impact that has last forever. You can do a lot of good things that aren't the best thing for the kingdom. So if you use these guidelines, if you use these steps, they will help point you in the direction of the best choice. It's a great measuring stick. It's something that as you ask God for wisdom, he can help you walk through these simple steps each time you make a decision. I want to remind you that in just a few minutes, we're going to sing a song, and I'd love for you to have filled out this card by that time. 
that I'm curious which one of these steps was the most challenging or the most encouraging for you. And, uh, and on that card, you can indicate maybe to us as a kind of a little bit of a feedback, uh, which, which one of these steps was the step that, that impacted you the most? What did God say to you? Did, did, they, did, they, he, did he say, hey, take me at my word? Did he say, take more time with the decisions? Did he say, hey, consider kingdom impact? Did he, did he say to consider other people's uh, input? You know, if you write that down, what we will do is we will pray for you in that step. And as you have decisions to make, you may have some decisions before you right now that you're channeling these steps in. And you're, you're thinking, you know what? I have a decision. I have a situation. And I'm going to travel through these steps. If there's a decision that you have to make or you're in the process of making or that you will need to make in the future, if you want to let us know what that decision is, we will pray for wisdom for you. So you can just simply put, pray, pray for wisdom for me as I or, or whatever it may be. And then after the service is over, there's been several of you that have helped us as prayer team members and you've come up to the front. I want to ask those of you who are here who would be willing to pray with others, if you would come to the front. And as this service closes and we dismiss, if you would like to come pray with one of our prayer team members, they'll receive you. They'll sit down with you right here in the front row and you guys can pray together over whatever decision it is you have or, or whatever challenge it is that you're facing. And they would love to do that with you tonight. We want to ask you to join us then next week as we jump into our next topic that we're going to have wisdom on. So be here at 5 o'clock. Let's pray together. God, Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, we, we love that you're a God that loves to give wisdom. We just rest in the verse that says, if anyone lacks wisdom, that we just ask of you and you'll give it to us generously. And so God, we just take you at your word. We pray, Lord, that you would pour down wisdom on us for everyone here who's facing a decision, who's facing a challenge. In the big decisions that we make over the course of time and the little decisions that we make in every moment of every day, Lord, help us to be faithful in making wise decisions so we can do what is best in our lives for you. And God, we, we pray that you would use the decisions that we make and the lives that we live to have a great kingdom impact. God, I pray that you would open the door for us this week to share the love of Jesus with someone, to invite someone to come sit with us here at Branch Life, and Lord, to show someone how much we love them. And God, I pray that you would allow us to become super good at making the best choice that you would have for us. In your precious name we pray, amen.